We're going to talk a little bit now about implementing Illinois' uh, cleaner energy law that was passed last year. One of the objectives is to make it easier for homeowners to uh, self-generate their own solar power. It should be a way to uh, reduce costs and, of course, obviously uh, provide for cleaner, greener sources of energy. But for a lot of people around the state, there remain significant hurdles to being able to do that. The Sierra Club of Illinois working to lower some of those hurdles, and they're starting with uh, municipally owned uh, utilities like City Water, Light, and Power here in Springfield, as well as municipal co-ops, uh, to try to address some of these ongoing barriers. To talk more about it, Scott Allen's here with us. He's with the Sangamon Valley Group of Sierra Club Illinois. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you very much for having me, Jim. Glad to be here. Well, again, the uh, the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, CEJA, that was uh, passed last year in the General Assembly, uh, does try to focus on things like uh, letting uh, homeowners uh, do more to generate solar power here. Uh, but this isn't as easy as it sounds. So talk us through a little bit about some of the hurdles, particularly for people uh, such as uh, customers of City Water, Light, and Power, customers of municipally owned utilities around the state. Sure. So the the barriers vary from municipal utility to municipal utility and co-op to co-op. There are more than 40 municipal utilities in the state and uh, 25 or so co-op utilities in the state. Each one of them has a different policy for how you interconnect your solar to their grid. Uh, Some of them are worse than others. I will say that CWLP is by far not the worst. Uh, they're actually pretty good about that, mostly because people stepped in and asked them to do better. But some of those barriers are insurance requirements, for example. There are some utilities that require a person have an extra one, two, or even $3 million of liability insurance on their, their homeowner's policy. Um, insurance underwriters won't do that, so that effectively means that this person can't get solar. Uh some of those other barriers are a monthly fee just for having solar. You can interconnect to our grid. You pay us this much in a fee, but we're also going to charge you $25 a month just to have that solar. And so those sorts of things start to eat into um, the financial incentives for somebody to go solar in the first place. For people who are not familiar with this, uh, when you talk about the financial incentives, in, in an ideal situation, how would this work? If if I were to uh, install uh, solar power equipment at my home, uh, connecting to the CWLP grid, uh, you know, what what are the financial back and forth with that? Uh, if this were set up the way you would see it as an ideal situation, well, I think. Uh Look at it from the approach of if you're an Ameren customer, there are three main incentives to go solar. One of those are the renewable energy credits that the state of Illinois, the Illinois Power Agency, buys from you for the electricity that your system is going to generate over the course of its lifetime. That's a big chunk of the money that you can get back from the state to cover the cost of your system. The other is a federal tax credit, 26%. Um, Everybody is eligible for both of these. But that third incentive are net metering credits that the utility Ameren, for example, any electricity that you overgenerate, you don't use for your own load, you put back out onto their grid, Ameren is going to compensate you um, at full retail price. And fortunately for us here in Springfield, 
this uh, City Water Light and Power offers that full retail net metering. So you can see that when you get into a utility that they offer something much less than retail, well, now there's a little bit of my incentive missing because I'm not getting as much credit. I'm giving this electricity to the utility to use, but they're not compensating me very much for it. And then when you start to add on fees or insurance requirements, um, it really starts to look less appealing to somebody who was hoping to have this system paid off maybe in uh, 10, 15 years, and now that kind of extends it out into maybe 30 years. Uh, so City Water, Light, and Power is doing uh, some of the things you are, are calling for here. Uh, what would you say in terms of the, and you've got really dozens of municipally owned uh, uh, utilities and co-ops, how many of them are really not doing these things or not doing enough of these things and are therefore uh, putting up further barriers for people to go solar? It's hard to say exactly. Um, the co-ops tend to be a little more difficult to work with than the municipalities do. That's where you see a lot of those uh, kind of regressive um, net metering policies or insurance requirements. One that's universal across, well, nearly universal, all but one co-op up in the northern part in Joe Davis County, um, they have a, 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 an effective ban on power purchase Agreements, And that goes for us here in CWLP with CWLP as well. Uh, and that makes it impossible to take advantage of, you know, CJA and before that, the Future Energy Jobs Act created community solar and solar for all, which is a way for, say, low-income people to access the benefits of solar, to, so to get credits on their bill, even without owning solar. But in all but one municipal and co-op utility, those power purchase agreements are not allowed. You have to own that equipment yourself. So if you can't pay for that, there's no way for you to benefit on your bill from generating solar. And so as well as CWLP does on other things, that's definitely one thing that we would like to see the city consider changing is um, uh, allowing power purchase agreements specifically so that low-income people can access solar too. Talking with Scott Allen with the Sangamon Valley Group of Sierra Club, Illinois, about some of these barriers uh, keeping people from perhaps investing in solar for their own homes and then being able to, one, bring down the utility costs, but also potentially to generate electricity that can go back to the grid for, for everyone's benefit. But, Scott, as you noted, even in an ideal situation, you might be looking at a 15-year investment in a system. Worst case scenario might be 30 years. i got to tell you, for the average homeowner, that seems like an awful lot to take on uh, when you can just walk into your house right now flip a switch and the lights come on uh, so why why would people do that kind of investment and go through all of these hurdles that may still exist uh, in order to uh, to take part in this sure um so i think you know we can even see taking full advantage of the incentives we have uh a person might even be able to pay off the cost of that system in five or seven years if they're allowed to take full advantage of those net metering credits federal tax credit and solar renewable energy credit. Um, another reason that solar and self-generation kind of benefits everybody, the obvious one is that it's carbon-free. So there's less of that pollution. And these are also distributed energy resources on people's houses. And as we switch to, and that's what C just says, is that 
Illinois is on a path to 100% renewable energy. We really need more of that distributed generation for grid reliability um, and to be less dependent on, 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 on the merchant generators out there who are incentivized to, to kind of keep building fossil fuel generation uh, to take some of that back for ourselves and generate some of our own electricity. So there are really several social and infrastructural benefits to self-generation. Do we have the the capacity, the infrastructure, uh, again, with limited numbers of people uh, as of yet taking part in this, to get to that objective of 100% renewable energy? How how many more households have to be willing to say, yeah, I'll I'll take this on, I'll take on the additional financial burden, uh, the challenges of, you know, maintaining a system like that uh, in order for that to be a viable goal? So the households are, they are important to this, um, just to just to be able to have that immediate impact on a person's utility bill. But in the overall picture of generation to power the state, that that household generation is a smaller piece of that pie. We're really looking at utility scale solar projects or those large distributed generation projects of two megawatts up to, you know, 100 megawatts even in those utility-scale projects. So we can get there uh, pretty easily. It does take um, a lot of investment in the grid, and that's another issue we see with the municipal and co-op utilities, whereas Ameren is guided by the Illinois Commerce Commission to you have to make investments in your grid here and here. You have to spend so much money on transmission upgrades and on substation upgrades. But for the municipal and co-op utilities, uh, the Illinois Commerce Commission or any other regulatory body has any say over what the municipal and co-op utilities do. So if a municipality decides that we would rather not invest any into our grid infrastructure, um, that's going to create a huge problem for not only people generating their own electricity and getting it tied into the grid, but it's going to create a problem for when a good portion of the state is generating, uh, or I mean, a, a, a good portion of the electricity being generated in the state is coming from renewable resources. These grids, as they are now, won't be able to, to handle that. Um, so it really, it really is a regulatory issue here. We we would like to see some oversight. We know that unis and co-ops are sensitive to not being under the thumb of the Illinois Commerce Commission. But we do need some guidance to say that this is the way that things are going in the future, whether we like it or not. And we need to think about how to plan our grids and, and get some investment in our grid. Scott Allen, before we let you go, uh, we are also in a situation where even if you feel like uh, the math adds up, you can make the investment, you get going, you start to generate solar power, et cetera. As you noted, you may have the ability to sell some of that back uh, to your utility and get it back on the grid. But then they can potentially change up the terms. And that's what apparently we're looking at tonight in Chatham. There's supposed to be a vote there on actually lowering the compensation uh, for self-generation solar customers and what they get if they, in fact, sell excess power back to the grid. What can you tell us about that situation, and uh, what are you expecting out of that vote tonight? So that was kind of a surprise. I I, I wasn't aware that that was coming up until um, just recently, and it's still not clear to me why 
Chatham is acting on this so quickly. But that's exactly what's happening, Jim, is that um, they're going to kind of drag people even who have had solar before that possibly. But they're going from a system like we have with CWLP where right now they offer that full retail net metering and they're lowering that compensation. So that's going to change the uh you know, the financing financing situation that, that people have with their solar systems, um, it's a it's it's regressive for sure. Uh, it's not clear to me or anybody that I've talked to why Chatham is doing this right now, especially um, with this right to self-generate in the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act. But uh, I don't know what the expected outcome is. I think I think the best outcome we could have right now is ask them to table this and maybe collect some more information, uh, have some discussions with some local people, and get some, get some public input on, on what people want out of their utility. It's all uh, very interesting. And again, you know, we're in this transition period right now. A lot of change in the air. It takes some getting used to. But uh, thanks for the uh, information today. And Scott, if people do want to learn more about self-generation of solar power, what it takes to get involved, how they cope with some of these potential hurdles that may be out there, what's a good resource available for them? Uh, The Sierra Club is always a good resource for that. The Illinois Clean Jobs Coalition is also a good resource for that. They have a website and a way for people to contact the Clean Jobs Coalition. There are a lot of experts there who are willing to talk to just, you know, the uh, the single individual customer, or they're willing to offer input to uh, village boards, city councils, and co-op boards as well. Scott Allen with the Sangamon Valley Group of Sierra Club, Illinois. Thanks very much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Take care.